Hey everyone, it's John. I'm here with Johnny. Hello. Another episode of Talk About That. We're so grateful that you have downloaded or streamed or accessed it in some point yet again. Is this the last remote, John? Is this the last remote podcast? I need to know. Can we be face-to-face next week? You're hoping. Well, you know, they're lifting the quarantine ban for, what, people, groups under 50? I don't know. I think Right. On May 1st for Tennessee. So you might be listening to this in a state where it's like still complete lockdown and you hate Tennessee because you're like, these people. (laughs) That's the weird thing. It's like all these governors are getting, we're having, we have 50 grand experiments going on in this country. Yeah. And we're going to learn from each other and hopefully we'll show some grace to each other as we poke our head out of the foxhole. Well, Tennessee is lower on the number of cases. Uh, it's still going up. Like per, the more, the per population testing. size or whatever, whatever they, however they calculate. I saw that. a map this week, Laura had with green, red, yellow kind of thing. And we were in the green. Um, I think that our social distancing, I mean, I was talking to my friend from Wisconsin. I mean, dude, they they have some major outbreaks there happening. And, um, it's very, very strange. Um, you know, well, and, and California was in the green by the way, but you know, they locked down really early. They were yeah. one of the first ones. Well, so, I'm ready uh, to be. Uh, in person with people, I've been doing a lot. Which is of crazy because you're doing real... a lot of Zoom shows. I've been doing a lot of. Uh, you're such like... a curmudgeon, though. I'm kind of surprised. I figure you'd just be like growing your nails out to two feet and a big beard, kind of hunching I... around, and I don't know. I'm ready for a haircut. I don't know. I I feel. Uh, I've said that in the beginning of all this that I feel like people who think they're introverts are going to figure out that they're not as far on that spectrum as they thought, and people who are extroverts are going to find a little bit of peace uh, in the storm that they didn't realize either. They're going to be like, oh, I needed this break and I didn't know it. You know, I was, I was burning it out. I was burning out or whatever. Well, you know, Laura's, so Laura's the extrovert. I'm the introvert. And I do, I've found my, I found my, um, I guess you get in your groove, you know, of this. It's not like it's all shocking that whole first couple of weeks. We have a groove with homeschool uh, assignments from Sadie school. We have, uh, I groove with work, you know, where I'm going to work. I had a, another kind of book editing deadline later this week, you know, and I have spots I know where to go, especially when the weather's nice, you know, you can sit outside and all right. so you kind of make it work. Exercise routine, all those things. Um, but man, the extrovert, it, you know, for her, which, you know, we talk about that. It just means she recharges with people when introverts recharge alone. But we all need people like introvertism is never should never have been some excuse as we use it to like, I don't need people. It just yeah. means like or I hate people or I hate all people. Right. Everybody <laughs> needs to be in groups of people, you know, at some point in time. Uh, it's just a matter of what gives you energy when you're depleted. You know, when I'm depleted, alone time or time with a very small group of people is more energizing to me than going into some large group. If Laura is depleted, I always laugh at her. I was like, we, I was like hey, well, you know, you're feeling kind of down. Let's go to a mall and see how many strangers we could meet. You know what I'm saying? Like she, right. we, I, I make fun or of at least watch. You know? Yeah. Yeah. At least watch like, the let's strangers just go, and be like, can you believe this guy? Look at that. Let's go table to table in a restaurant and just start asking their life stories and see what happens. You know, oh, like, boy, that's our friend, Mike Burnett. He's that way. If you ever go to a restaurant. Oh, Mike yeah, Burnett, of course. Yeah. He'll just start going table to table, man. He'll just start talking to people. And uh, a lot of them he'll know because he's done this before. She's like, dude, this is a town of like 60,000 people. How do you, eh, you know, I mean, that's just, uh, and so, and, and, do connected. you as an introvert, do you ever feel 
uh, insecure around people who do that. Like I should be doing that. Like that they're nicer is kind of how I Yeah. Feel. Or you just go like, what do they know that I don't know? Or, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like everybody's got that thing where they look at other people's life and you go like, do they, have they got something figured out that I don't have figured out? I'm sure people, there's people who look at me and think that in some way, like people always imagine, like if they, if they know you're a comedian, they're like, I could never do what you do. And I'm just like, it's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's, it's like, um, it's not, it feels like a lot of instinct. It feels like I kind of figured it out. Uh, right. I found a thing, you know, like yeah. if you discover you have x-ray vision, it's not like, and then I slowly developed this. It's like, no, I just kind of figured it out in my thirties that I had this thing that I could do and I've gotten better at it, but it's not like, I feel like, oh yeah, it's so, but I, I like to play it up. If people go, oh, it's so hard. I go, no, it is hard. You know it. Cause I don't want them <laughs> to try comedy. That's my goal. If I can talk <laughs> you out of it, you know. I was going to say, if somebody wants to pay Johnny to come in, it's very difficult what he does. Absolutely. Uh, don't listen to what he's saying. Like, it's, well, it's a one of a kind. That's right. You can't listen. I'm irreplaceable. He worked for years to develop this. So, mm. yeah, it's weird, though. It's, um, I don't know. I think everybody's got something, though. And yeah, I do. I look at people who are extroverted, and I do think that. I think, man, this is, or, or if you see somebody that seems like they've got it figured out, Family wise, sometimes it's hard with Instagram, you know, filters on everything. We look at, look at this picture and you just start, start imagining that their life is this perfect thing when we know it's not because yeah. we know that we have those same photos. You know, we yeah. don't let photos go out that are where you look like a train wreck, generally speaking. I do more because I'm trying to be funny, but generally speaking, you want to look, you want to present, put your best foot forward, control the narrative. But when you see other people, you don't think that. You just go, oh, but this person, they seem like they may have something I don't have. You know, they got their kids to all wear the same white shirt and white pants on the beach. <laughs> right. That didn't happen randomly. Yeah. Right? Oh, look, we all happen to be wearing the same clothes. You wore white Let's pants. I wore white pants. Yeah. Oh, you look, a professional photographer. Yeah. yeah. So, Leah, there's a, yeah, you're right. There's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of setup to make those things happen. Um, <laughs> and the no grape Kool-Aid all day. You got to keep oh, your kids away from grape Kool-Aid. Oh That's my the key. goodness. You got to keep my wife away from that stuff. It, listen, man, my wife spills something on her clothes every time that mm. we eat. In fact, almost every time that she drinks a cup of coffee or anything, like the first drink is going to go on the shirt. I don't know what it is. Uh, she has a drinking problem. She got a drinking problem. Yeah, she yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's been talking a lot about, um, about how everybody right now wants either or, you know, like you're either an extrovert or you're an introvert and how a lot of things would be better for us right now if they were both and instead of either or like just the mindset of both mm -hmm. and like it, it could be, it, you know, everybody's, not everybody, but you have the, the polar extremes in the social media world and in the mainstream media that are saying that this is completely blown out of proportion, you know, and then others who are like the world is ending. Mm -hmm. And and you, it's like I feel that people feel this great pressure right now to have to pick a winner like instantly. instantly. Or be on like, the okay, side you, of the winner. Like I at least want to put myself in the camp of the people who were right. Oh yeah. yeah, the anxiety to choose the right mm -hmm. like camp right now, uh, and I think it was already there. I just think this is it's exposed it much more. Yeah, and it's like you know, hey, it may be a both and situation. Like, hey guys, you know, um, I know after many many conversations of people 
who they are one or two people removed from several people who've died. We know that over 50,000 people in the United States have died. Uh, that's a lot of people, no matter how you slice it. And okay, so there, there is something here to be concerned about. And it also may be that, you know, like you said, at some point, we're going to have to come out of our houses and start trying to tiptoe into other things like both and let can, so right. instead of the emotion of saying one's all right, one's all wrong, you know, finding that middle ground of being like, hey, you know, um, listen, we'll make adjustments. I always say that with our team, like, let's make a decision. And here's the best part. We, we, if we feel this pressure to make the perfect decision, I always tell them, look, hopefully by God's grace, two weeks from now, we'll all still be at this table with brains. And if something we decided two weeks ago is not working, then we'll just keep talking and adjust. Like we yeah. don't have to feel the need to uh-huh. get it all right now. Let's, let's have a yeah. little faith that we're going to all keep talking. Yeah. I think that's one thing that, um, has happened with, uh, social media is you get so deeply entrenched in your ideology and there's like a record of it all of everything mm-hmm. you said. And so to go back, uh, like we've given, uh, we've taken away that thing that says, if I get new information, I have the freedom to change my mind. Yeah. And that's what really the scientific method is. <laughs> right. You know, is like, Hey, new information leads to a new hypothesis or a new, you know, like all data is result, you know, is a result. Like even a failure of this experiment is a result. Like if Tennessee goes out there when two weeks from now our cases are doubled, you know, 300 people are dead. Uh, we can go, man, we might've came out too early, but like, there's going to be a result, but like people don't want to be wrong. So it almost feels like people are, I know people who are almost like rooting for it to fail. It's so strange to, to, to see you just go, wait, you don't want us to be okay. Like It's so weird. It really is because because you want to be right. Concerned. Yeah, it's about the rightness of it. I mean, that's that proverb, man. You see someone who's right in their own eyes. There's more hope for a fool than them. And of course, you know, Proverbs is all about fools and wise. And we all are we all are fools at, at times. And it's trying to give you instances, um, you know, scenario based instances in life where you can be a fool less. So you might be a fool still on this area of life, but you don't have to be a fool everywhere. If you know, this is where it teaches us. And above all being right in your own eyes is the one like that one and not being able to shut your mouth. Those are the two things over Uh, me. You just really wrap up. But I like talking, John. (laughs) Well, I mean, you can like talking as long as you're able to control the words that you are speaking. Who can tame the tongue, John? Who? Oh, no, man. Flaming fires. Mac, Mac Powell told us that. Wait. Hey, I listened, by the way, to you interview Mac Powell the other day. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. He was yeah. on our little uh, show. Yeah, and uh, that was really fascinating. Show. You were telling what him it, stories about us. I told him about that we, because we did, we covered his, we covered a couple of their songs a few times. Well, no, we, weren't, didn't, we didn't have like them regularly in our rotation because we had to do your dumb songs. But every now and again, <laughs> we would. They were pretty dumb. We would do. Like we would do Consuming Fire, of course. That was like, you know, you can't be a 90s Christian rock band without doing Consuming Fire. Everybody wanted to oh learn that goodness. song. It had the great solo and the little great little run. Yeah. And it was easy to play. Yeah. It was a very accessible rock song. And uh, one thing I didn't tell him that I wish I'd told him was that you used to leave voicemail messages as Mac Powell <laughs> on, my, on my voicemail. Yeah. Like, hey, Mac Powell. I don't know. Let me <laughs> something about my God. Here's a fire! And you were, yeah, hey, I got your demo that you gave to me, and uh, <laughs> I just want you to know, I think it's on fire. We, yeah, we, yeah. it was so ridiculous, Johnny. 
Uh, we did it a lot, by the way. We did it a we lot. We did it a lot uh, because we had a lot of like near miss experiences as a band. Which, by the way, turns out they weren't as near as we thought. They, they well, were just we felt like they were. I'm just saying, like we were, we would get uh, have an experience where like, maybe we're going to open for so and so, and that we thought that was going to be our ticket in. That's always your key. It's like, oh, if we get to open for this band who's made it, then like that's how you make it in. Somebody it's sees not you. at all how you make it in. No. By the way, <laughs> really, it's it's scary to think about how you really make it because it's just a lot of work that goes completely unseen for years and years, and then one day you're like you're an overnight an overnight 20 year success. But yeah. um yeah, so that was the thing. We had a lot of those things where it's like we might get dope and then so we, you would leave me messages if we would meet somebody you'd leave me messages. <laughs> hey yo, this is Toby Mac. And I knew it was you right away. It was just you were doing it just to be <laughs> stupid, but yo, when Toby you had Mac. an answering machine by the way back then. <laughs> I did or maybe it was my little Nokia 5150 phone or whatever the ones that are like bulletproof so you could play snake on. Can you imagine <laughs> if this pandemic happened when you had those phones? Oh my goodness. Like no internet phones, no real internet to speak of. I mean, no, like the internet was yeah. around, but it was not this internet where you can watch movies and do all this, like Netflix and all that. Netflix was sending you DVDs through the mail. Uh, yep. So it's like, yeah, can you imagine like how different it would be uh, mm. if we just, just, we're just out? I mean, you talk about isolation, good grief, and the boredom. I don't know. I mean, you know, in some ways, uh, <laughs> Again, that's the that again. I'm not. I don't think of myself in some ways. I'm the most pessimistic. Like I've already turned off the internet, John. Person, I don't I know. even know. We've just been making up games in the house, and we're having the time of our lives. You know, you always think of me. You always like. You always see the bright side of things. You always find. I, that's not what you say. You. you uh, what do I say? It's like this. Like I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna convince myself that everything's okay yeah. and that's kind of what you usually end up saying to me like that you know I whatever it is i wouldn't say that i call you delusional but i would say that you need for things to be okay for you to be okay and so sometimes you'll convince yourself things are okay when they're clearly not okay well i think what i do is i've learned that i think that the like this is the way i want to be at least that yeah. I get to decide if I'm okay, regardless of what the situation is. I mean, that's the whole life in Christ for me. Like, you know what? Here's the deal. I don't, I don't have to let a situation freak me out. And when it does, I'm in my bad place. And so I'm going to not be delusional about the situation, but uh, I'm also not going to let every situation dictate right. if I can help it. Um, well, I think that's coming to bear too. We talked about that, about how people who have anxiety, I read a story about this too, that kind of backed up what we said, that people who we know and ourselves, who both of us deal with anxiety to some degree with worry and things, that when the worst thing happens, hey, you're trapped in your house and good luck and your focus kind of narrows. Okay. Now it's yeah. not about like all of these options that I had that were creating anxiety. Now it's about, can we find toilet paper today? That's your job, John. Yep. And what it does is it, some of that anxiety goes away yep. when the worst thing happens because it's almost like they took away your, the thing that you were really worried about was taken away. And so you're just like, look, we're here and it's happening to everybody. So you really can't feel sorry for yourself in a, in the, in the right. same way. So it's happening to everyone in some degree, although everybody, I hate that whole thing of we're in the same boat because some people are just having their lives completely turned upside down. Some people are like, this is a cool little break. Like it's a different boat for a lot of people. But yeah. I do think that, I think it's interesting that some people who have anxiety are seeing like, oh wow, this ha this horrible thing that I could not have imagined has happened and it did not derail me. And it's almost like 
your spirit is being tested and you've come on the other, you've come out the other side of it in a way. And that's, I think that's kind of healthy and cool. I think absolutely. I have more, um, I don't want to use the word anxiety in this particular case. I think that sometimes it is more difficult to anticipate something than it is to go through it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. You live the pain of it in advance. Yeah. The The unknown is the hardest. Because what, and part of that is me being counterphobic. Like that's how I live my life is by trying to conquer something before it conquers me. Uh And that has healthy and unhealthy sides to it. And so I want to get ahead of it. I I spend my life trying to get ahead of things. Yeah. In fact, that's in my daily prayer declarations. I have to remind myself, I don't wake up behind because I always wake up feeling like I'm behind today. Yeah. I think I have that definitely for sure. And I started, when I started comedy, I was 33 and I immediately felt like I needed to become a big deal quickly because I would see mm-hmm. these 20 year olds at the club who already had, you know, 20 great minutes. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I, I felt so bad. We had conversations about it, about yep. gosh, why didn't I start this earlier? I'm going to be this old man now. And I had to really find peace with that. Yeah. Not feeling behind. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real, I remember when I'd written like five or six books and had no publishing, you know, uh, at all to speak of. Yeah. You feel like this in my way, like wasted time is like such a sin to me, like in a, in a really unhealthy way, probably if I feel like time is wasted, then I'm behind. Um, and then, but faith tells me, you know, then the things I believe about who I am in Christ, like, okay, well, do I really believe that God's calling the shots? Do I really believe that he can put me where he wants to put me? And he has proven that over and over again that he has. So like, I have to keep, Hey, I'm not behind today. I might be behind like literally physically on a project, you know, or something. I might like be behind the deadline, but this like general overall, um, weighty feeling of everyone else in my profession or in the church world or they're, they're ahead and I'm, I'm not there yet. You know, that sense of scarcity. Right. You uh, can, you create a person who is farther up the ladder than you. Right. Uh, sometimes it's a real person that you're like, oh, well, they have more followers than me or they have more projects than me or they seem to be really handling this well or they're saying wise things in this crisis that I would never have even thought to say. You create that person, even if they're not there, to to feel more behind. Um, I had somebody do that to me. I had a few social media posts in a row that I had kind of saved up, video clip here, a little meme there, a funny joke there. And then somebody was like, you're social media. You're on fire this week. And it's somebody I really respect in comedy. Mm. And I, I mean, it was like, oh no, like it was like, now I've created, <laughs> it made me feel worse. I was you like, created expectations now. Right. You have to keep doing and that, I yeah. just, I was like, I feel so, I feel behind. now I've set a standard of myself. I'm further up on the ladder than myself. Now I've created this image. It's so strange, but that's, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm prone to be negative. Um, and I'm working on it. Uh, I think what I was thinking about earlier though, the anxiety thing, I think trials, are necessary uh and they reveal who you are and so like if we never went through anything which is kind of what's happened or this generation we've not really gone through anything we've not gone through you know a world war we've not gone through a great depression we've not gone through and so you know that's the whole thing of like uh there's comedians that have jokes about that you know like my dad uh, worked so hard, three jobs so that I would have it better than him. I wouldn't have to live the life he did. And I don't. And thanks dad. And they're lazy bums, you know? So that right. whole idea of like, 
the generations before us fought and bled and died. And so now here we are, we're comfortable. We have, you know, everything's connected to the grid and we just, we don't have to go out if we don't want to everything, food can be brought to the house, all this, but as it made us better people, well, now all that's being tested because like now we're having to show resolve in the face of something. We're having to, we're having to decide, do we take GM plants and stop making cars and start making ventilators? This generation has never had to do anything like that. Right. So we're having to learn and like, but it's showing us things. I think coming out of the other side of this, we're going to have that data and that knowledge of like this, some good came out of this. You know, we were I think that they'll be, I think they'll be good. I also though think that the method by which I'm not speaking about one medium in particular, but I mean the, the tone and the rules really yeah. of communication and information dissemination if that those are the things that are, it doesn't matter what good you, it doesn't matter what good you have to give. If the way you disseminate it turns it bad, yeah. then when it comes out the other end, it's bad. And I think that like, you know, I'm thinking of that scripture that let your gentleness, which reasonableness um, is, is the word in the amplified your, um, the other word I think is, um, endurance or, um, Oh, Johnny, I need this word right now in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, tolerance. That's the word. Let your mercy tolerance and reasonableness. That's the definition there in the parentheses of, of gentleness. Let, let it be known to everybody. Let it be yeah. evident. And it's not really evident even among those who I think are speaking things that are true. Yeah. And so like by the delivery of the truth. And I'm not one saying that everything should be nice. It's not, I think we, again, we want to boil it down so fast. Like, Oh, you just want everybody to be nice. And there are things worth fighting about, but when by the methodology of my fighting, I break the value system yeah. of the thing I'm fighting for. Right. Then I, I poison the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be putting out that's supposed to be pure or healing to yeah. others. And so we may come, we absolutely, you know, the Bible says that suffering produces character and character produces hope. And that's why we should rejoice in our sufferings because it produces something good in us. And, and the deal is though, if, if it produces this and you can't take it and put it into a form where, where we can um, either process it or accept it or reflect upon it in a way that's not, completely adversarial and attacking and yeah. um, polarizing and all those things. If, if we can't, you said something, you know, earlier, if, if you don't get new information, if new information never changes your opinion, yeah. if it never grows, I don't mean like it changes from black to white, but it, if it doesn't change it from black to gray a little bit, like in some area of life, if, right. I mean, if, 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 if data information or someone's else, someone else's perspective never causes you to grow or move in your own perspective. Mm-hmm. That stationary thing there is it's, it's by definition, I think scripturally a place that's going to leave you in foolishness and it's going to hurt people around you. So I hope that the good things come out. My point of that, I hope as the good things come out that we've, that we don't just reflect upon what they are, but we reflect upon the way that we're communicating good or right. bad things. Yeah. I mean, everybody's just figuring this out. Nobody's, this is really a, a, a fir- the first time in decades and decades and decades. I mean, if you go back to Spanish flu, it's the closest thing of like, and they didn't have the technology we have in the, and the, the population that we have. So it's, it's right. brand, it's a brand new problem of how do we reintegrate back in? Some people are going to want to go diving back into crowds. Some people are going to like tiptoe back out. Some people are going to be 
very nervous and they have a right to that. Some people are going to give you the side eye if you're not wearing a mask everywhere. I think we need to learn to to have grace and peace with each other and just be patient. Everybody's on a different path uh, because yeah. they're, I mean, some people have older family members. They're still, I mean, it's going to be a thing. And I just think uh, we got to be, we got to be uh, cognizant. Like you said, when you, when you have an argument or you have a strong opinion, if you start that strong opinion that the other side of this must be a moron, you've already like weakened your argument. Yeah. You know, if you, if, you know, anybody that doesn't believe this is stupid, let's start there. Like that's kind of what social media has done that I feel like, and now it's all we have because, you know, the past five weeks we've not been around each other. So that nuance is getting more and more, uh, you know, uh, distant because it feels like we can just be reduced to pixels. And so when we start getting around each other again, let's try to remember, like, this is a human being on the other side of me, you yeah. know, and uh, let's, let's treat each other with grace. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's a, uh, the, the, the art of being able to disagree, you know, the, again, the art of learning or the, the methodology of learning at all, it means to listen there is no learning without listening. It certainly means to listen to, to viewpoints other than your own. And you can still have strong opinions. But I do think the dismissal of the character, that, that's that been the thing. I just, well, character's the wrong word. The dismissal of your value. Yeah. You are now worthless uh, to me. And, you know, you are, you are dangerous. You are, you know. Um, right. You're canceled. So, yeah. Right. There, there's, there's nothing else now that I need to, that I need to, to acknowledge with you. Right. That's been, that's been, that's been the hard thing. Everybody is not, listen, there are people out to get you. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's fine. But, you know, that doesn't mean that it's everybody. Can you say specifically and, who was out to get me? Well, Johnny, I think I sent you a letter. In the mail, <laughs> so. I don't like the way you were like, John, Johnny, there are people out to get you. I'm going to need you to stay 300 feet away from me. Or, excuse me, feet. the judge is going to need you to stay 300 feet away. It's like uh, the dump truck that has the sticker that says stay 200 feet back, not responsible. We just need that on the, on the back of all of our shirts. 200 feet so, back, you know, I, not responsible. I wrote a bit about that and you didn't like it. Not but responsible I, for the I, windshield? But I, but I tried to write I tried to write a because uh, I was just doing the tweet song thing there with you. Oh right. But but I think you could help me really write a true like more like a forty five second with a couple punches because I think that thing right there gets me all the time. That like it, there's something not just funny but profound there. Like if I just drove down the road throwing baseballs at other cars as long right. as I had a sign that said not responsible. I mean really? Yeah, man. I, I really should I should have tied these baseballs down better. My bad. Right. I mean, it's like, who else is responsible? Someone has to be responsible. There must nope. have been. I, I, there's got to be a sign. There's got to be a politician, know? though, that voted that in, that, that that did release them from some liability. Just put a sticker on here. Like, well, do you really, re can you not, what do you do? Catch up with the dump truck? Pull over. If you get a well, crack, you're like, what, is, what would you do? You really don't have any re recourse. The reason it works is it's unenforceable. Yeah. Because you could never prove that that piece of gravel came from that particular truck in a crowded highway. So we can't I, I, dust I, I, for gravel. Right. I get it practically. I just think it's hilarious that, that it's like, no, no, I'll put up the sign. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, you know, and I suppose someone, I guess, I, I guess that's it's just like beware of, road hazard. It is. It's like beware of dog. Like if your dog bites me. Yeah. Beware of dog. If I'm on your property, I guess that's one thing. But if your dog gets out of the fence and by, well, I had a sign like, no, right. Your dog's crazy. It jumped the yeah. fence. 
Yeah. I'm sorry, sorry if you have dogs that. out there who are crazy. I don't mean to offend anyone who's a dog owner. <laughs> so I was jogging the other day. This dog, this guy's garage door was open. And I'm jogging the little uh, trail, little uh, sidewalk. This dog starts running at me. It's a little like a uh, Toto dog, little uh, whatever you call those. What are those called? Uh, it's a terrier. terrier. Yeah, it's a little terrier. <laughs> so this dog's coming at me and he's and he's making a beeline. I'm like, is this going to be a chase me, bite me dog? But it wasn't. He started just following me. Yep, and then I, I, I wanted to keep running because I'm on like a, I'm on a little app and I want to keep my time right. But yep. then the guy's almost yelling at me like, he's almost trying to Bring get me Bring your dog to, back. <laughs> right. Like, stop running. <laughs> my dog is following you now. That dog followed me for a mile, John. Wow. I think the guy, the guy had that run behind. I think he had to get, no, he wasn't a really running kind of a guy. <laughs> I think he, I don't want to <laughs> besmirch his character, but he did not look like he had. Uh, he was going to just take off in a full jog after us. But I think he did end up having to get in his car and come because I did like notice the dog wasn't there anymore. But then I saw a car just kind of pulled up. and I think it was his car waiting on the dog yeah. to get there and like he was going to snatch it. But it's so funny. And I just think like that's on you. And like I, I was just running your dog. And I was scared because it's a little dog, but it's like a little dog he, will jump and bite your feet. And he know, just take your Achilles right out. You that's, know. you know, yeah. I, I have quite the uh, Odysseus tales of dogs. Odysseus from, wasn't he a from, Greek philosopher? Yeah, well, the Odyssey. Yeah, no, no, yeah. he was a character. He was Homer. Okay. Homer's Greek the mythology. Odysseus. Was it Homer? Homer. Homer. Homer was the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Sorry for all of you. Some of you out there were like, "What?" Yes, I knew it. I just was quite. See the, again. You I'm have like quite the Odysseus tale. I do, man. Like I have had large That's dogs. Probably small the most dogs. pretentious thing you've ever said. <laughs> And I've been your friend for over 20 years. That was just natural. I wasn't was, trying to be pretentious. That's just giant. That's how I talk. I can't help it. This reminds it. me of something Homer once said. Simpson? No. The other one. Um. <laughs> Anywho, dude, it's a, it's a, in fact, I've written about it a little bit. I just never done anything with it. But like, dude, the number of dogs in my old neighborhood, yeah. there were like five dogs, any given three mile run. I knew where they all were. I knew what each one would do. They chase you? Big one, small. Some of them would. Oh, man. Uh, one little See, I'd dog stop came running. Out. If I thought it was going to be every day, I would just stop running in that area. Well, I started taking, do you know those retractable magnets um, that you can get like at Harbor Freight or whatever that that way you can reach behind something and if you drop a screw or something, you have that retractable metal you beat the thing. dog with it? Oh, I would use it as a space though between us. I would carry my pocket. The dog came. I could take it out and, and he won't come past it. Just put it right at his nose, you know, as you run. This is the and weirdest stay, thing. You had a little telescoping wand yeah, that you would yeah. point at the dog? Just to keep him away from because he would stop <laughs> and start trying to bite at the wand instead of in my leg, you know, and so until I was out of... You know, I bet people who saw you running car. thought you were a blind person. Like that was a blind, <laughs> like one of those seeing eyes. What are those well, called? I, I don't know. If they saw me. They I, saw call, me. I, did, I almost call it a seeing eye stick, but that's not a thing. Seeing eye stick. Uh, <laughs> Johnny just made a new product. There was a no, guy but, who was blind, John, that I read about like four years ago, yeah. and he skied in the Paralympics by using a series of like beacons, sound no beacons that would come as he was going down the hill. He would know when to turn as he got closer to these beacons, and I'm not making that up. That's and I thought to myself, I can't ski, and I have my right. faculties. And you, yeah, I got all my senses. I, and I, I, I can corroborate Johnny's story. He cannot. It is brutal. Ski. I, I want to. I, I need faculties. to look up video on that because I don't know if he had like a skiing eye dog. I don't know what happened. I don't know what the how it mean. works. But he had, like he's he's listening for the turns. Wouldn't you be terrified? Oh 
Like I, I'm a little terrified just skiing for real. If I was blind, I would just be like, skiing is probably not in my. I can't imagine somebody's like, I'm not gonna. Your ski mata? Am I right? I'm not gonna. Okay. (laughs) I'm not gonna let this limit what I could do. I'm going skiing. Like that would never occur to me. (laughs) It's like I one time I saw a guy play for the Pope. This was like when I was a kid. Remember the Axe Network? Remember that? Before it was more oh, ACTS. Yeah, I was thinking of AX. So there was a network called Accent. It was like Christian television, the early, early days of Christian television. And they would show some Catholic programming. And I saw a guy playing for the Pope a guitar with his feet. He had no arms. Wow. And he played this feet. And I thought, well, this will be. You don't know what you're to expect. It's a guy playing with his feet. He was yeah. making chord structures with one foot. Wow. And strumming with the other. And he was playing like, like intricate, intricate symphonies with this foot guitar and i'm like if i had no arms i could not kick this guitar down the stairs oh my goodness and dude if i had to just do something left-handed right like i could barely my, my left hand when you're throwing uh, baseballs at people from a moving truck you're like oh. right I, oh my goodness but it's okay <laughs> i have this sign uh, so we're watching america's got talent from yeah. last season which right. by the way I, ha- I take issue with the grammar of the whole name of the show america has america's so basically, it's America. Well, it's America with, has got talent. Is basically what the America's got America's talent. with apostrophe s. That's it's, a, no, it's like that, that's a America's, loosely constructed. Can, yeah, but it's the, a the. But so, listen, the contraction is America has got talent. I, I know that it is, but couldn't you just said America has talent? Like, do you have to, do you have to really put that people? People are not thinking this America's through, Johnny. Got it going on. They're America's, just watching it. America's got te- like there's a lot going on. Somebody posted in that, that meme the other day. They said basically we're all playing a game of lockdown. Got talent because everybody's out <laughs> trying to do Zoom videos and and TikTok videos to like show us their dance moves, and no one's impressed. We're all Simon Cowell's <laughs> like judging them. <laughs> well, dude, last season Cody Lee. Yeah. One of the, so oh, Sadie, oh that, that's incredible. So Sadie was getting us to watch it. Now we watch it every night. We're into like the second live. This guy won, show. right? Uh, well, don't tell me you haven't finished. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Thanks a lot. He may not have won. I don't know, but I don't know how you take it away from the guy. He's he already won in my book. That's the yeah. deal. The moment I, I'm going to tell you, I bawled like a baby. Oh, yeah. The I first did. video when he's, oh, man. The first video, I saw it. Niagara Falls. I literally, I, I, I said he was like, Daddy, are you? I was like, I'm crying profusely. Like, this is what it means for a grown man to weep in your presence. I mean, it was, and of course, he got the golden buzzer and all that stuff, but I'm just, to your point about like having disabilities and then being able to yeah, you he overcome do the piano, it. He, yeah. he, he can't do the opening interview, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And to sit down and that voice and what he, and he's blind, you know, yeah. blind with autism in case you guys don't know this, this blind autistic, what is he probably 21? Yeah. And his mom has to walk him out to the stage. You know, he's, he's very sweet and he laughs and other things, but my gosh. And suddenly he starts playing piano and singing and it's like, the greatest thing you've ever heard. I mean, it's soulful. It's like when the music starts, it's like he suddenly has this ability that he, and it, it, it just, it was one of the most moving things. And you start really thinking about, I think the complexity of the, not just the human mind, but also the complexity of what sort of, of, of giftings go into humans from where they are. Yeah. And like and, maybe the human spirit, like would he have, if he was not given those, you would never wish it on somebody like being blind autistic, but I'm saying like those parameters being put in place from birth, he was forced to overcome that. And yeah. so 
the artistic side of him took over. Like you just wonder, I don't know. It's weird to yeah, think about wonder, it. It's weird to think yeah. about the obstacles in my life that I hate and I'm almost or angry with God. I'm almost angry with God at sometimes. Yeah. Why couldn't you have made yeah. me this? Why couldn't you make me that? And then you just think, but it made me, for instance, I was always awkward around girls. I was always very shy. And so I would try to think up funny things. So I would have mm-hmm. something to talk about. I'd think of a yeah. funny line or I would have a snarky thing to say that the, uh, off of what the teacher said. That was my defense mechanism. It was also like a, I'm showing, uh, it's almost like you're creating a value in society for yourself. Yeah. But it was because of out of this like incredible insecurity about everything else. So if I was just like the good looking jock and I could play basketball great or whatever, that other side of me might have never developed. It would probably just have atrophied. So yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, scripture says that suffering is common to man, but we know that types of suffering are not, you know, we've not experienced homelessness. We've not experienced those things in life. But when you don't experience and I think there's a real sensitivity to the, to the statement I'm making here. This is why this is why I like podcasting more than I like tweeting because I can explain what I mean by this. That the physical um, difficulty can be much greater. Yeah, it can be um, have a much far more far-reaching consequences generationally, legacy-wise, other things. So I'm not minimizing those tragedies of those things. But even someone who hasn't been in a situation like that does have a level of adversity and suffering in their life, even if it's only internal and if it's emotional. And so again, we're only a, we're a culture of comparison. That's how we, we find value in things. And so it's, there's that like guilt that I, there's the guilt that I'm not homeless. You know, you get that a lot or guilt that I haven't been in this. And then there's also um, dismissiveness uh, of, of, of different people's issues. And the bottom line is, is we all come with some level of brokenness. I think I've said this before, but, and it sounds so dumb now that I say it, but I think it's, it's good for me to keep looking dumb because it helps reveal something mm-hmm. that I just, I remember the the moment in the last probably year and a half where I, I actually realized I could not be a good enough dad to stop Sadie from having some sort of brokenness in her life. Yeah. Cause I kept being really offended by it. Right. She, you know, she feels insecure about this or she feels this or that. And I kind of look at her like, Hey, you know, what, what's wrong? Like you, right. you've had, we have made sure, you know, yeah. that, that you've had this and this and this and this, and that you've been loved and you get to talk it out. And we discuss our feelings and, you know, where there's no, we're trying to minimize any kind of shame. And, you know, how did this emotion or this thing come out? And it was almost like I, I felt that sort of whisper in my heart, like, Hey, um, <laughs> you know, you can't stop her from being broken. Only I can do that. Like you, this whole common to man thing in scripture, you didn't actually believe right. it. Till well, now, and the idea that we're some, we're supposed to be broken. That's, that's where empathy really comes from is if you yeah. never experience anything like that, you just assume, well, like, like you say with the homelessness or somebody else, like you build this narrative in your head. Well, they might have chosen that, or this is from choices they've made. Right. You know, and once you've experienced, like, I remember I've told this story before on the podcast, but when, uh, when I went part-time at the church to pursue comedy part-time or full-time, and it was very scary. I had no health insurance, uh, for like 18 months. Curry got fired from her job. Yeah. Uh, and then they lied and said that she quit so that they wouldn't have to pay unemployment. And we had like mm-hmm. some decisions to make. It was very scary. And uh, it was very, it was like this in a lot of ways. I think about it when it, in, during the pandemic, if like, it's a, your focus narrows when you're like, all right, I'm not going to make any money for the next three months. Yeah. What's important. 
and you just kind of start a checklist in your head. Like, let's let's secure the four walls around us. Let's figure this out. Let's make sure we're not going to drive each other crazy in the house. Let's make sure we're good. And you start, but that focus is so narrowing. But that experience was so valuable for our marriage because we really had to close ranks. And it, yeah. and it what it really gave me in the long run is an empathy for people who uh, do their best and still lose their job and get lied on and all that stuff. And just through no fault of their own working poor people, which is a large portion of our country. Like I think my old conservative mindset growing up, I would just imagine like you are the sum of your choices and there's no gray areas. And I just don't really feel that way anymore. I feel like a lot of people are falling through the cracks and they're doing their dead level best. And I think going through that experience myself has given me empathy for that. I think empathy is so important. As we enter this new time in America, we're going to need more empathy and not less. No, absolutely. Uh, Because you won't, I mean, obviously without empathy, you won't try to help somebody's situation regardless of their own choices. Look, this is something I said in that message on Job last week. Like we all, no matter what we think, we believe most of us, I believe functionally hold to a belief system Mm -hmm. that good things get rewarded, bad things get punished. Yeah. You know, that's really the topic of, of, Job, not just why is there suffering in the world, but this guy didn't deserve this, you know, kind of thing. And there's so many like assumptions within that, that I think we're not aware of all the time. And so, um, you know, I said, these are the two questions I asked myself that helps this one. Have I received every bad thing in life that I know I actually deserve? Yeah. Like think of all the things I've done, all the things I've thought, um, Think about all the times um, that I've not been a good husband, not been a good father, not been a good employee, not been a good son. You know, go through those things. Did every single one of those get retribution, some sort of punitive delivery of of punishment Mm -hmm. in the exact proportion to what I deserved? Yeah. And in in every case, I could say no. I mean, I would deserve a lot more. And then the second question is just as important. Has every good thing in my life that's ever happened to me, can I trace it back to a direct cause and effect between something good that I did that caused that good to happen? A good conversation I had now that produced this later. And some, again, in both instances, again, both and, right? Yeah. Doesn't be either or. There, there were times I did get punished, you know, for something I did wrong. And there were times that I planted a good seed that down the road, something good happened from mm-hmm. it or, you know. So it's not like that that principle is completely extracted from it altogether. But I think what Job teaches us is, hey, if you think that that's strictly how God rules the universe, according to only that, yeah, then you're, you don't understand that it's a lot more complex than that. That's really what God tells Job in the end. Like, it's, it's not that there's not something here, but you don't understand the complexity of the universe and, and what I'm doing here. And so that always brings me, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, it's caused me to, to your point, instead of just summing people up by their choices. And, and hey, man, when you're a youth pastor and a teacher and you and I both worked with kids forever, you get a front row seat to often really bad consequences coming to, to fruition mm-hmm. within a month or two, especially in these short-term relationships that kids have in, in, in their teenage years. You see it in the get-go. You warn them, oh, my gosh, dude, this could not be a worse idea. You know, like the path you're going down leads to bad things. Two weeks later, they're in jail. Two weeks later, you know, something horrible happens. And you, you, 
it's, it's almost like um, adults in that situation can get very non-empathetic. And, and we've all been there where you're like, you see it so many times, you're like, my gosh, I told you so. You kind of deserve this, you know. And, and, and at the end of the day, I think you're right. Grace really bypasses that. You can say, hey, now listen, we have this talk as a parent all the time. What are you going to learn from this? Yeah. So yes, we did tell you so. Okay. Right. And two, this. Why do we tell you so? Because we love you, and this ended up hurting you. And we don't. We don't want you. God's ways don't want you to to deal with that kind of pain. There's going to be suffering common to man, but there's a lot you can avoid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's what God's trying to lead you in. And so this hurt you. How, what are you going to do next time if you just keep repeating that without learning from it? Then what is going to be really the point of this relationship? How are we going to actually help each other if you don't listen? So, but uh, anyway, wow. That was a lot, Johnny. I need you to comment on every single point in order. First of all, yes. Alliterate. No, but there is that thing of like everybody. C.S. Lewis said that we all believe uh, in justice until we're the one that needs mercy. You know, like if we, if somebody owes us a hundred dollars, we're like, what's his deal? I saw him out at a restaurant. He owes me a hundred bucks. But if we're the one that owes the hundred bucks, we're like, yeah, but he doesn't know what I've been through. You know, you yeah. immediately, you immediately suddenly yeah. become like, why, why I deserve mercy. So I just think in this new season, we need to extend, we need to extend a lot of grace to people and a lot of mercy because we're all figuring it out for the first time. And, uh, what I guess I'm saying is John, uh, restaurants are open tomorrow and I expect to see you. I want to have a meal together. We used to eat lunch at least once a week together. Yep. It's been, yeah. it's been a long time and I want to know <laughs> when we're going to tiptoe back towards that i mean well, they, they can't pay this time or? they can't why does it have to be about that is this about the hundred dollars thing that i bring did i bring you that in hundred dollars right <laughs> probably more than that no we so i'm telling you longhorn john 50 percent capacity there'll be another booth between us and the other booth now i should tell you i have coronavirus but <laughs> <laughs> don't let that don't let that this fear don't let that fear don't John. let that effect though if you really faith love over me, fear no i want to get the biggest they have that big loaf of bread they bring john i can't eat that i'm back on keto man yeah but you could take a day with your friend and eat johnny i took a day you could eat another. a loaf you could eat a loaf of bread and then another all right you can get and your wings yeah that's what i want i'm thinking Although, like let's not go monday but i'm thinking like wednesday you know what? Let me that way let we me, sorted out all the riffraff is kind of we figured it out. Are you certain that the Mount Juliet restaurants? Listen, we'll have, have to talk off the air. County. No, I want to know right now. You want me to are commit you to this? Scared to eat with me? I'm not scared to eat with you. Okay, I, I'm. I am. Wor- I'm going to tell you this. Oh, the te- the teacher duties in my life while my wife and I are both working, like we trade off a lot and there's a lot of technological filters that are needing our attention. Oh my it's gosh. Like, oh, did you, did you upload that to so we uh, go Google later Docs? In the day. We go, it's like a 3 PM. It's a, it's an early supper. John. Yeah. I might be able to, it may be a low, maybe a low day. I so think, I, just, think, I think you're scared. Remember what I said though, when we get to Wednesday, we'll still have brains and we can still communicate. Like we'll be able to make better you, decisions. John, we don't know that. <laughs> That's the first thing to go is your brain. I have read. Don't you know about the 5G <laughs> networks? Our brains are being melted. Oh, boy. As we speak. Yeah. Hey, we hope that the podcast today has not melted your brain, listener. Um, <laughs> but instead, it's enriched you. I teed that one up for you. 
equipped you and caused you to feel better about life or yeah. maybe think deeper about life. And one thing in all seriousness, Johnny and I were talking off the air today. Uh, we're ready to actually insert uh, a segment back into our podcast mm-hmm. and perhaps even enhance it or, or add some others that is really based upon uh, questions from you guys. And so a lot of our questions in the past have been uh, about writing or about comedy and those kinds of things. And those are fine. Uh, but if there are topics or other things, maybe reflections, you want us to kind of like, hey, you guys said this and that made me think of this. And so would you talk more about this? Yeah, like, go to our Facebook page. Talk about that podcast has a Facebook page. First of all, like it because that way you'll get news and updates from us. That's where we post a lot yeah. of the episodes directly to. But that's a great yeah. place where you can just leave a message, a private message to us. If, you, if there's a topic you want us to cover, if there's something we said that you liked or you even disagreed with, we're open to that. We'll delete you right away. But yeah, yeah. We can't totally have make dissent- it. we don't allow for dissenting voices here. But echochamber.com. That's right. Sorry. But no, if you want to leave, that'd be great. We we'd love uh cuz it gives us good fodder. You know, we're in 107 or 8 episodes now in and so we just love having more stuff to talk about. And so we uh and plus this is interactive. This is a a dialogue. It's not a monologue. And you guys are part of your voice too. And so we're hearing from a lot of you through reviews and comments. Somebody asked me about our uh, Scarlet Thread music and I sent them a Dropbox listing, John, with our wow. Scarlet Thread music, our old band. How they far were like, back How? did you go? I just gave them the latest one. Okay, good. The EP. The uh, other shell never be spoken of. Well, I don't know where I'd even find them, honestly. I um, have them all. Do you? Digital, yeah. Well, whoever it was, they I, they didn't get back to me and say, "Oh, listen, and it's great." They were just like, "Thanks," and then nothing. So, right. For all I know, oh, they're well. like, "Yikes." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I happen to have in this program. I happen to have one of our Scarlet Red songs because I was playing with you last week. Hold on. What? This is what it sounded like, guys, when he got it. So you got to hear Johnny's first note. It's my favorite part. <laughs> So good, Johnny. As relevant as ever. Oh. That's a good vocal, man. Uh, Travis Wyrick. Double award winning producer there. And I it's faded. Oh, fading. Oh, my goodness. And we're Johnny. fading, every, listener. Every time you talk about Scarlet Thread, I'm going to play a song. That's fine. Uh, so, anyway. But we do appreciate you listening. And yeah, go follow Johnny. Go follow me and send us those. Seriously, guys, we're seriously telling you. And there's a lot of new listeners right now. So if there's something you want to talk about, we'd love to bring you into the show a little more and uh, honor your request for that. So also thank you to our new patrons on Patreon. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, we're, we're a little behind right now. We apologize on some of your of your uh, packages that will be coming, uh, but we're working on that right now. So if you're a new patron and you haven't received that, mail is real far behind and we're real far behind, but we'll be making sure those get out to you really soon. So appreciate you guys supporting us monthly. If you want to go check that out, uh, there might be something you can go to patreon.com and just look up, talk about that podcast. It's something we would appreciate. So, But uh, otherwise, it means a lot to us that you listen every week and maybe you share with a friend this week. Uh, especially if something meant a lot to you. And if it didn't, share it anyway because you just like it. Share us. it with an enemy because you're like, this will show them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> After revenge, you're served an hour at a time. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I think as the old adage goes. Yes. So, hey, guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. We'll talk about that.
Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.